Well, please take your Bibles and let's turn to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. And you'll find that on page 950 of your church Bibles that's in the pouch in front of you. If you, if you don't have a copy of God's Word and you want a copy, please receive the copy of God's Word as our gift. Put your name in it. Take it home. And I'm going to be reading Romans 16, verses 1 through 16. Romans 16, verses 1 through 16. This is from the Apostle Paul. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sancria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles or among the apostles. And they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apellus, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegion, Hermes, Patrobas, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, uh, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. This is God's word. What's he going to do with this? Let's find out. I mean, it's not exactly the most preachable passage, is it? It's just a list. List of names, more than half of which I'm not sure I pronounced correctly. But you wouldn't have known that had I not just mentioned it. So just, you know, when you're doing this, just pronounce it like you know it. It's a list at the conclusion of uh, one of the greatest letters in the New Testament. Paul's letter to the Romans, the book of Romans. It's been called the Christian's Constitution. And if I could summarize the letter in one word, it would be grace. Grace. Uh, Romans 1 through 3, how desperately all of us need Grace. There's not one person, religious, irreligious, all of us need God's grace. Paul argues like an attorney 
pressing his case that every person needs God's grace. The need for grace, Romans 1 through 3. And then Romans 4 through 11, God's generous provision of grace. Here in this desert-like parched condition of needing grace, God provides a tsunami of grace through Jesus Christ, Romans 4 through 11. And then, and then Romans 12 through 16, what will my life look like when God's grace flows through my life? Romans 12 through 16, what, what does a life of a grace-saturated believer look like? That's what we see in those final chapters. There's just so much. That's been written about Paul's letter to the Romans. But in the end, after all of the commentaries and all of the scholarship and all of the Greek and all of uh, the interpretations, after all of it, it ends with a list of names. People, men, women, believers. I mean, real life people. Folks who lived in the first century capital city of the Roman Empire, Rome itself. The Apostle Paul actually dictated this letter. And a believer by the name of Tertius, that's Romans 16.22, actually wrote the letter. And, and a godly leader in the church, a woman by the name of Phoebe, she delivered the letter to to these house churches in Rome. Uh, about half a dozen house churches peppered throughout the capital city. And can you just put yourself in the room of one of those house churches and when each of these names was read aloud, oh, he's talking about me. You, you picture that. And, and, and then can you put together a picture of what the Christian community in Rome was like, and how the Apostle Paul felt about them. And this isn't a list, not just a list. Don't just call it a list. It's a gallery of gratitude. Romans 16 is a gallery of gratitude to God for, for dedicated gospel partnership. And I mean, think about it. Think about what was going on through Paul's mind as these names are being read, why, you know, oh, uh, Aquila and Priscilla. Uh, we get the abbreviated part of that, Prisca and Aquila. A Aquila and Priscilla, we met them in the book of Acts. And, oh, they risked their necks for me. And then another, another couple, uh, Andronicus and Junia. Oh, we were in jail together. Oh, they're great believers. It's such a strong marriage. And then there's Mary. Mary worked hard. She was there when everybody else quit. and She's the one who always said, Paul, you go home. I'll put things up. I'll clean up the bulletins. I'll put the, I'll put the, the pew Bibles away. You pick up, I'll pick up all the papers and straighten the chairs. You go on home. You're tired. Well, well Mary, you're tired too. Yeah, but Paul, you got to ride across Asia Minor tomorrow on a donkey. You go on. I'll, I'll, I'll take it from here. Mary worked hard. And, and then uh, Eponidas. He was the first person converted to Christianity under my preaching. Paul goes, I didn't sleep a wink that night. My goodness. Thank God someone finally responded to the gospel message. What a marvelous day that was. And then there's Tryphena and Tryphosa. I mean, they were twins. 
I mean, you can hear that in the names, right? Trifena and Trifosa. They always sat on the right. They both wore blue. I never knew them apart. One of them had a mole on her cheek. The other didn't. I didn't know which it was. I never did get them straight. And then tell Rufus hello. Oh, tell his mother hello because she was my mother. There were, there were some women whom the Apostle Paul gave the title mother. Mother. And that means he probably stayed in her house. And, and she was the kind of woman who could say to Paul, now sit down and eat your breakfast. I don't care if you are an apostle or not. I don't care if you wrote 1 Corinthians. Sit down and eat your breakfast. That's the way it is. You've got to eat. Isn't that an interesting picture of this church? There's just so many things that we can learn about the Christian community in Rome by just looking at these names. Some of these names were the names of common slaves. One of them may have been the grandson of Herod the Great. and Another was thought to have had the ear of the Emperor Claudius. and One was the very first convert to Christianity in what is now the modern-day country of Turkey, and still, you know, another, Rufus, may have been the son of the one who carried the cross of Jesus. All these names, some of them Jewish, some of them Greek, some of them Roman citizens, men, women, married, singles. What a diverse community. John Stott was a Bible um, scholar and pastor, and he once said that a homogenous congregation is a defective congregation. What do you think? Well, here's my question. Here's my question. How in the world did Paul know all of these people since he had never visited the church? Yeah, we learn that if we read through Romans. He'd never even been there, and yet he knows all of these people who attend there. Don't just call this a list. What's the meaning of this? Well, think for a minute. Think about the lists that people interact with today. When people go, say, to the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, is what they're seeing just a list? Is that it? There's a bouquet of flowers at the bottom of one of the lists. Which name was that for? There's a mother standing there, and she runs her fingertips across the etched name and tears trickle down her cheek because she's touching the name of the father she never knew because he gave the ultimate sacrifice. And she's holding that deceased soldier's grandchild. They'll meet in heaven, but it's hard now. It's hard now. And then a, later along the wall, there's a guy who's about 70 now. When he was younger, why, well, you, know, you know, he had that macho man's man thing. But now that he's older, he's mellowed. And the tears can't stop. He's alive standing there because of a name that's there. Don't you just call that a list. That's not just a list. For Paul... This isn't just a list either. It's a visual reminder, name by name, life by life, that he is where he is because they are where they are. And it's an important reminder that we need one another, just as you've shared here. We need one another. Paul's gallery of gratitude reminds us how critical our brothers and sisters in Christ are. 
The fact of the matter is Paul was not a lone ranger kind of missionary at every point in his ministry. He leaned on quite a few people who served and sacrificed with him for the sake of Christ. And I don't mean full-time either. Too often we've created problems by defining ministry to mean full-time paid vocation. But that's not in the Bible. Ministry is about meeting needs with love, period. I recall a family in our church years ago who faced a terrible tragedy. Their son was tragically killed. I received a note from the family. Randy, we've been so blessed by how God showed his love through our small group community and through the community of our church family in our tragedy. And then, and then, to accompany the note, I received a list, and the list was a catalog of tasks and chores and acts of love. And then this note, most every line item was done by different people. Don't just call that a list. It was this family's own version of Romans chapter 16. Do you have a Romans 16 in your life? Have you ever written a Romans 16? Just as important. Are you in someone else's Romans 16? Might someone make this observation of your life? Oh, she's been a patron of many. Or they risked their necks for my life. That is to say, they went out on a limb for me. They took a risk for me. When nobody else would take a risk for me, you took a risk for me. Or you work hard. You are tireless in the Lord. Or, you know, we've been in a situation where it felt like we were all in prison. Or maybe we were in prison. But you've been with me through thick and thin. You're just like family. You're just like family. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, what would it take for that level of community to exist? What do you think? I think I know. You see, though Paul mentions 24 names on this list, you know what the most repeated name is? It's the name Paul refers to most. He says this name over and over and over. It's the most important name in the bunch. You notice how many times he uses the words, in Christ, in the Lord, in Christ Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is who brings us together. Jesus is who cleanses us. Jesus is who washes us. Jesus is who gives us meaning. Jesus is the one who creates this life-changing community. Truly, Jesus. It's been a while since I've done this, so let's do this. So, um, when I call out your denominational background, because I know that in our church family, we've got folks all over the denominational spectrum. So, when I call out your denominational background, you call that background out back. Shout that back to me, okay? Let's start with Baptist, okay? When I say Baptist, one, two, three, you shout out Baptist, okay? One, two, three, Baptist. Okay, Methodist. Methodist. 
Presbyterian. Episcopal. I kind of like there. I went to an Episcopal high school. Episcopal, there. Catholic. Lutheran. Uh, Christian church. Uh, Assemblies of God. All right. Confidently said. Uh, Let me see. Christian and Missionary Alliance. CMA. Yes. (laughs) There. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Now, uh, let's just say your backgrounds together on three, whatever it is. One, two, three. Christian church. All right. Isn't that interesting? It's kind of garbled, isn't it? It's not very pretty. Okay. Now, on, on three, let's just say the name Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. Softer. One, two, three. Jesus. Whisper it. One, two, three. Jesus. Wow. Isn't that sweet? That is sweet. He's the one who unites us. You know, over and over again, the scriptures say, love one another. Why do you think that is? It's because it's so hard. It's so hard. Don Carson was one of my teachers at the, where I went to school. and He said, the church itself is not made up of natural friends. It is made up of natural enemies. What binds us together is not common education, common race, common income levels, common politics, common nationality, common accents, common jobs, or anything of the sort. We Christians come together not because we form a natural connection, but because we've been saved by Jesus and owe him a common allegiance. And in light of this common allegiance, in light of the fact that we have all been loved by Jesus himself, we commit ourselves to doing what he says. He commands us to love one another. In other words, we are a band of natural enemies who love one another for Jesus' sake. So this is not just a list. This is how a Christ-saturated person talks about his church family. When you write... When you write to your church family, when you write to your family, your friends, or when you talk on the phone or send an email, is Christ there like this? And some people might say, well, I I just don't wear my faith on my sleeve. And be careful when you say that because the issue is not what's on your sleeve. The issue is what's in your heart. Christ said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if Christ is not in our talk or in our texts or in our tweets or in our social media posts, then it's not a sleeve issue and it's not a personality issue and it's not a family of origin issue. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And these people are in Paul's letter because they were in his heart. And... He needs their prayers. He needs their prayers. We we learn that at the conclusion of Romans 15. You see, even though Paul sends them personal greetings, even though Paul says hello to them, what he's really saying to them is goodbye. Paul wants to go to Rome to see them. But before he goes to Rome, he's got to go to Jerusalem, which at the time happened to be a hornet's nest. And so at the end of chapter 15, he says to his church family, pray with me, agonize with me so that I won't be killed in Jerusalem. 
Pray that the saints there will accept the, the money in Jerusalem and that I'll get to come back and be with you. This is not just a list. Don't call this a list. This. This is what we just did a little while ago. It's prayer. This is a diary of gratitude. This is a family portrait. This is a selfless colony of Christ-centered love. This is the definition of biblical community. Paul's gallery of gratitude is a selfless community of Christ-centered love. And, listen, we are we're their descendants in Christ. We're their descendants in Christ. These are our spiritual ancestors. Paul's gallery of gratitude. Fred Craddock is an old preacher. I like him. He is good. He's good. He's from Oklahoma. He used to preach in Oklahoma. And this is what he once wrote. Um, he said, I want you to just write down, I thank my God for every remembrance of you. Just put that in your journal. Put that on a sheet of paper, index card. I thank my God for every remembrance of you. And then, and then write a name. And then write another name, and then another name, and another name, and then then keep that list. Because to you, it's not a list. It's a gallery of gratitude. In fact, the next time you move, hold on to that list. Even if you have to leave some things behind. Even if you have to leave your car, your furniture, your laptop. Take that list with you. Take that list with you. In fact, when life on this earth is over and you leave this earth, you still take that list with you. Craddock says, now I know, I know, I know. When you get to the pearly gates, St. Peter's going to say, now look, you went into the world with nothing. You're going to come out of it with nothing. What's in your hand? Well, it's just some names. Well, let me see it. Well, it's just a list. Just a list of names of some folk that I worked with and folk who helped me. Well, let me see it. Well, it's just a group of people that if it weren't for them, I'd have never made it. Well, I want to see it. Finally, you give it to him. Peter looks at it. And then he smiles. He says, you know all the people on this list? Yeah. He says, you know what? I do too. In fact, on my way here to the gate, I passed them. You know what they were doing? They were painting a great big sign to hang over the street. It was a sign for you. You know what that sign said? Welcome home. Would you bow your heads? So we're going to do three things now. Um, 
First thing we're going to do is we're going to receive communion. We're going to take communion. On the tables that surround the worship center are the emblems. And if uh, you are a believer in Jesus Christ and he is your king, you are invited. And then um, next to the communion table or offering boxes, if you'd like to give your tithe and offering to the Lord. After you receive communion, give your offering. And then the third thing is, there's thank you notes. What I'd like you to do is not just keep your list, but I'd like you to just spread your Romans 16 around. Take a note, or maybe two. Go back to your chair and Let someone who is here right now on our campus, you write them a note. And when you're finished writing that note, you go take it to him. Go take it to her, even if they're in the nursery. Even if they're in student ministry, you go and you just take it to them right now. And we're going to just take the next 10 minutes and receive the Lord's Supper. Give our offering. And then let some people who need to hear from us know how much we thank God for them. Oh Lord, we love you so much. And we are so grateful. Your mercies endure forever. It is because of you, Jesus, that we are in this room. Oh Lord, keep us from being distracted from anything that would take us away from your beautiful face, your splendor. And keep us united as we are united in Christ, loving one another with your love. Amen.